Life Changes Church, we are in season two of the Promotable Life series. It is going to be an incredible word. So grab a notebook and a pen and get ready. I'm Jay Phillips, and this is my lovely wife Fiona, and that's my mother-in-law, my sister-in-law, brother-in-law. We've got the whole front row there. So this is reserved for family only. No, just joking. You guys are in. But it's an incredible privilege to be able to preach here today as one of the pastors in our life changing story. Um, we were two amazing little kids, Olivia and Benji, five and three respectively. And uh, we've uh, discovered as we found kids that our, our restaurant choices have changed. Forget Michelin five star, forget uh, lavish dining. There's this incredible restaurant called, I don't, know, I don't know how to pronounce it, Spur. Is that the pronunciation of it? Spur, you all got it. That is just a statement. It is, a, it is the place we go because there's incredible jungle gyms. It's an amazing opportunity for your kids to go and play, for you to sit there and enjoy a moment's peace. And I went there with uh, my wife and kids, and then we went there with uh, another couple, some friends of ours, um, uh, who shall remain nameless at this moment. But they are a couple that have two boys, two little boys in the same sort of age uh, dynamic. And we went into, my, myself and the, the husband said, we'll look after kids. So there's a lot of kids there, so you want to make sure you keep an eye on your kids. You want to be overbearing, you don't want to be helicopter parents, but we want to make sure that they're okay in there. So we said we'll stand by just in the entrance of the kids' zone while the, the moms can relax and enjoy a cup of coffee and chatting in peace. And we were there chatting, and, and, uh, and I was aware of where my children are. But then this other guy all of a sudden said to me, where is my youngest? And we looked around, we looked in the night, and then all of a sudden, you know, the temperature starts to raise. It's like, you know what, the mild from, 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 from concern to mild panic is very quick when you suddenly realize why one of my children is missing. And I'm like, I haven't seen him for a while. He's like, okay, cool, 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 cool. And we like to start looking around. You don't want to be too overboard. So I said, I'm just going to head straight to the exit just to make sure of the whole building. Just lock it down. Make sure no one's getting run out. You know? Just go, no, no, one's, no little kid has run out. And we look around, and, and this husband, his, his biggest goal is to find his child. Second goal is make sure his wife doesn't find out. <laughs> I'm not too sure which one would take precedence at this moment. And, uh, and, and he went casually as he could with Swift coming down, just looking, looking around the table. Hi, love, how are you doing? She's like, what are you looking for? Nothing, nothing. Looking under the table. Just to break the suspense, we eventually found the little lad sitting in, in, in another booth by himself, just you know, casually doing the crossword or whatever three-year-olds do these days. But we were able to rescue him and put him back without raising the panic alert in the moms. And uh, his name, that father's name was Scott Ferreira. <laughs> We're vulnerable people here. Yeah. And, uh, and let me just be honest, I've never had a moment like that. Number one, because I'm a good dad. <laughs> and secondly, because my kids are radiant. And it's incredibly easy to know where they are at all times. It is just so easy, so much so. I was at a kid's party the other day, and I'm standing there, and there's a whole lot of brunettes and blonde children running about, and there's my two reds. That's it. It's like, boom. I know where they are, and they're loud as well. And I'm standing there watching them run about. And then a guy, a parent came up to me, and said, came up silent next to me, and, and I didn't know him. He said to me, so which kids are yours? <laughs> I looked at him, and I thought, I'm not even joking. I'm like, uh, two guesses, buddy, two guesses. And, and I just, the phrase that was burning my heart was that actually, for me, when people see me, and they see my kids, they go, oh, like, the phrase is, don't ask stupid questions like which kids are yours. It's so obvious. The Phillips kids are the Phillips kids. It's easy to spot them from a mile away. It's so obvious. And I want to tell you today, with all that as a backdrop, that I believe the Heavenly Father, when He looks at His sons and daughters, He's not second guessing which ones are His and who's not. That He knows. 
Who's are his? Says, I know, the Father knows who's are his. And he knows them completely. His eyes never leave them. There's never a moment where he's lost them. He's not insecure about them. Don't worry about that, Scott. Feel no guilt. Be free. <laughs> sure my time will come. But, but I want to tell you, the Father knows it's so obvious. All of heaven knows it's so obvious. Those are mine. But I want to tell you, I believe that the world is in a season where the world needs to desperately see who those sons and daughters are as well. But the Father knows. He's not in, in any doubt. But I want to tell you, I really pray that actually this, this series, The Promotable Life, is taking traction in our hearts. That we'll be taking steps of faith forward. That when the world look at us, they go, oh, it's so obvious. There's some signs about us, some ways about us that are different to that of the world. So I want to take us right to the text. Some background. Are we in Genesis chapter 41? But in case you are only leaping into now, just some background very quickly. Joseph is a man who's been falsely accused. He's gone on this journey where he then was thrown into prison for 12 years, forgotten in there for 12 years, the dregs of society, sitting there with nobody having any concern. His father's family thought he was dead. Nobody has wanted one coming to visit him. Every time he's visiting hours, nobody's there waiting behind the glass. He's just sitting there and, and people come in and people go out and some people even say to him, remember me. And they say, we'll never forget you, but then they forget him as soon as they step out of the prison. And this is this man's existence from the age of 17 all the way up to 30. He is living a life of false accused, forgotten and thinking, what is going on in my life? When I'm trying to work out Joseph, trying to work out what is God doing in my life, I can tell you Joseph wasn't saying it's so obvious. He was saying it's not obvious at all. I have no clue what God is doing in my life. And this incredible moment is that all of a sudden Pharaoh pulls him out of prison. At the age of 30, Joseph comes out of prison, shaved, put on new clothes, comes before Pharaoh in a foreign land, a land that is a million miles away from home in every shape and form, and he comes face to face with the greatest leader of the time. And that leader is now there threatening and saying, actually, if all the other guys who try to foretell my dreams, my dreams that are so bizarre and so perplexed, they're not obvious. I need somebody out there who can tell me what my dreams mean, and everyone else has failed, but Joseph stands there, Joseph answers him, I cannot do it, but God will. But God will. And he stands with confidence. And then if we read the Genesis chapter 41, which we covered last week, Joseph then goes and uh, interprets these dreams. He tells these incredible dreams that Pharaoh had. He interprets them, but then not only interprets them, he brings a strategy and says, this is what's going to happen. The nation is going to have seven good economic years. But then after that, there'll be seven terrible economic years. So he said, I tell you right now, Pharaoh, save up, store up in these good years. Don't spend, don't go lavish, hold back, hold back, and see what God will do. He'll provide for you when there's seven years of lean times. And he has this incredible strategy. And on the back of that, this is where we pick up the text in Genesis chapter 41, verse 37 to 40. It says this, Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked the officials, can we find anyone else like this man? So obviously filled with, before we jump up, what would you put in? Can we find a man so obviously filled with crazy people skills? Wow, the way he just connected with me. He was a prisoner. Wow, where did he learn that? So no, no. So obviously filled with strategic nuance, able to tell what's the best thing to do. A man so filled with wisdom and skill, with an ability to, to put a plan together. What is he so obviously filled with? It's so obvious that he's filled with... The text goes on and says, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Next verse says, then Joseph said to Joseph, Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. 
You'll be in charge of my courts. All my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a higher rank than you. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. You see, what set Joseph apart from all the others that have come before him, all the other people that have surrounded this Pharaoh in the foreign land, what set Joseph apart? It was so obvious, the Spirit of God. It was so obvious or so overt. The, and I want to introduce to us this morning the unfair advantage, the game changer, the thing that makes you and I completely unique. It's this one thing. And it's so obvious. Pray that we'll learn what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God. Because here's my, my presupposition under all of that. Is that God loves to fill empty things. God loves to fill empty things. So I love you to preach this with me. Turn to your neighbor right now and why don't you tell them it's so obvious. That you sat next to the right person today. Only pray. And ask God to move on our hearts. Father, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this church. Thank you for your people that you know. That you hold in the palm of your hands. Your eyes have never left them. But I thank you, Father, today as we preach your word together in faith. May we be individuals. May we be families. May we be a church who are so obviously filled with the Spirit of God. Because God, before you fill buildings, you always fill people. God, before you fill cities, you always fill people. So I pray, fill us afresh today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to help us because when I say that word, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, it's a, it's a subject that is complicated. It's a subject that can be weird. It's a subject that can almost be a style of church or something for the elite. It's a feeling. It's a force. It's an optional extra. But I want to tell you, no, no, no. It's not no, none of the above. It's so obvious. I want to help us understand that the Spirit of God is so obvious because the Bible is not hiding this. So often, so many churches feel like the Father, the Son, and let's just hide that one for the, the other meetings when we don't have visitors. Because that's a bit crazy. It's got a bit of a bad rap. But I want to tell you, the Bible puts the Holy Spirit front and center. It's so obvious. I'm going to take us on a quick journey today. Number one is the text, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to 2. It's so obvious, it's on page one. On page one, the Bible says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It says, The earth was dark, it was formless, it was empty. It says, But the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters, was hovering over the surface of the deep. The other word for that word hovering was the Holy Spirit was overshadowing, was coming upon the surface of the waters. And this is an incredible reality when we understand this is page one of the Bible, that God starts not with, uh, with, with just on his own mission. No, he starts in tandem with the Trinity on full display, the Spirit of God there waiting for the Word of God to be spoken. And God speaks one word, let there be light. And light doesn't think about it, light doesn't just um and ah, light doesn't say, what, what do you mean? We don't understand the laws of physics right now. No, light obeys because the Spirit of God is there ready to ignite that. And as light obeys, the emptiness is, is absorbed. Why? Because God loves to fill empty things. He speaks and boom! The darkness speaks. Light. The Holy Spirit working with God. I love this fact when we see creation from the get-go. Page one, it's so obvious. God loves to fill empty things. Keep going with me. We go to Luke chapter one. If you flick a few hundred pages, you get to the start of the New Testament and we find this narrative back and forth of an angel named Gabriel. It's nice to see you all this morning. Shout out. And this incredible lady, this, this virgin, this young lady called Mary, this 
in, in the, the time's eyes, a disqualified young lady. She's there and she's having this conversation back and forth with the angel, where the angel says, fear not, you'll find favor in God's sight. And he says, you're going you're gonna to bear a child. And that child is going to be a, a, a magnetic conception. It's going to be birthed. And it's gonna be, his name will be Jesus, and he'll be the Savior of the world. And that's where we pick up the verse on the screen behind me. Mary answers, how can this be? Great question to ask. Great question, because according to Mary, this young girl who's a virgin, this, this reality, her womb is dark, empty, and without shape. It's pretty much like creation. There's, there's not much going on in there. There's, been no, there's not been no biological connection up to this moment. So she answers a very logical question, how can this be? To which the angel replies, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Now, if you're paying attention, those words, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and He'll overshadow you, are the same words from Genesis 1 verse 2, when the Holy Spirit overshadowed, came upon, was hovering over the deep. Same words. It's so obvious. You see, it's so obvious because on page 1 of creation, we see the Spirit of God saying, I call empty things. Page one of the New Testament, we find right at the beginning, is the Holy Spirit saying, I fill empty things. It's obvious. Stick with me. You flick a few more pages, we get to John chapter 20, verse 1. Jesus has died, and the disciples hold the whole world to fall apart. They've fallen in a way underneath them. And they now are feeling, the disciples are feeling like their world. All the promises of Jesus that have been spoken to them. Of that I will, I'm the Messiah, I'm the one who's come to make a way, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And they rally behind him, and then they've seen him with his very eyes die. And their hopes are shattered. And their world seems dark, empty, and without shape. So much so they go back fishing. They go back to what they once knew. They would retreat away from the four mental of the gospel. And in John chapter 20, verse 1, we read these words. While it was still dark. Now, just pause there very quickly. You are getting a, a Greek and Hebrew lesson at rapid pace. That word dark is the same word that's found in Genesis chapter 1 when it says the earth was dark. Because the Bible there, John, the Gospel writer John, is not telling us about a time of day. He's telling us about a state of being. The Greek word is scotias, or the, the, the Aramaic word is, is hoshe. While it was still dark, not just the light hasn't shone yet because it's not 6 a.m. in the morning yet. He's saying, no, the whole earth was dark. This was the state of the reality. So John is linking this text. And he says that Mary arrived at the tomb. She arrived there, but she found that the stone had been rolled away. But actually what she finds is that Jesus is not there. And the tomb is empty. Because here's the reality. Romans chapter 6 tells us that something already has taken place. Romans 6 verse 10 says that the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Before it goes on any further, it says the Spirit of God has raised Jesus from the dead. That a dead body was in the tomb, but the Holy Spirit came upon a dead body and breathed life. Boom. Raised the Son of God to life. Let me tell you, page one, creation, Holy Spirit, front and center. It's so obvious. Luke chapter one, the start of the New Testament. It's so obvious, front and center. John chapter 20, the end of the Gospels, the Holy Spirit. It's so obvious. Then, we get to Acts chapter 1. God loves to fill empty things. Acts chapter 1 is the start of the church, creation, incarnation, resurrection. And now we get to the part called impartation, where Jesus is about to tell the mission of the church, the birth of the church. It's so obvious. Jesus says these words in Acts 1 verse 8. You shall receive. Before we go on, let me tell you about how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit is not earned. He's not worked for. He has received. 
He has received as a gift. You cannot earn it, but you can do nothing without it. You shall receive, and God says, power. Power, resurrection, earth-shattering, sin-destroying, life-changing, demon-chasing power. It's so obvious. We, no one will ever be able to disqualify what God is doing. It is so obvious. Power. And he says, when, I love that word, you shall receive, not earn, not work for, you will receive power. Power that changes everything. When, 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 not if, not maybe, not an optional extra. This is Discipleship 101. It's so obvious. This is for every single one of us who call ourselves Christ followers. When? Not maybe. Not if, if you're in a charismatic enough church. Or if you, if you grew up in the 90s and you seem to understand this a bit. Or, or if you... No. When? Says the Holy Spirit. The very Spirit of Jesus Himself. A heaven from earth reality that says comes upon you. Hold the phone. What word was that? Comes upon you. That word where it says comes upon you, Acts chapter 1, is the same word from Genesis 1, the Holy Spirit was hovering, came upon, overshadowed. It's the same word that from Luke 1, it says the birth of the Jesus Messiah into Mary's womb, says the Holy Spirit will come upon you, the most high will overshadow you. It's the same word we find on Acts chapter 1, verse 8, says the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Creation, incarnation, Resurrection, power, impartation. And I love my, one of my most favorite words in the whole verse is the last one. It says, comes upon you, me. Dark, empty, formless, you. Dark, empty, formless, you. Disqualified, dead, depraved, you. This is incredible for us as we understand this. As I said again, so obvious, creation. Incarnation means that God became flesh, resurrection, impartation, or more colloquially as I love to say it, from the boom to the womb to the tomb, then to the upper room. <laughs> it's obvious! He's all the way through, not hiding in the background, not waiting, he's not saying, should I come in now? No, the Holy Spirit is front and center, it's so obvious, and I want to tell you, from the boom to the womb to the, upper, the tomb to the upper room, and now Movement and energy expended, but no forward momentum. 
And I think the church worldwide often looks like that. They're in a rocking chair going backwards and forwards and programs. And this is what we're going to do this year. Our vision statement. And we go backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. The same old agendas. Nothing changing. Why? Because you've missed the end. so obvious. The game changer. The unfair advantage. The one thing that's unique about you and I as the children of God is that we are filled with the Spirit of God. And it's front and center, not in the background. You see, I've loved this text in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9 to 12. It's not on the screen. But it's a text that's often spoken. It says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. Thank you, Jesus. That's wonderful. But let me tell you, that's not the end of the verse. It says that, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind could fully comprehend what God has prepared for His people. Verse 10 says this, but, hold the phone. It was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit. For His Spirit searches out everything and shows us, dark, empty, formless us, God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received, past tense, we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit. Why? So we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. Yeah. Too many Christians are living second-rate, uh, second economy-class Christianity, sitting at the back wondering, am I going to be included in this? I hope I just get through into heaven. When they be called to be living with the game-changer, unfair, the uniqueness of the Spirit of God inside us. It's so obvious. I want to take this to the very end of the Bible. We have covered the whole Bible this morning. Genesis, Luke, John, Acts, we've gone from creation, we've gone to incarnation, we've gone to resurrection, we've gone to impartation. Let me get to the whole end, how this whole thing comes together, what theologians will call the consummation. Revelation 22 verse 17, one of the very last verses in the whole Bible says this, the spirit and the bride say come, come Lord Jesus. First page. First page of the New Testament, last page of the Gospel, first page of the Church, last page of the whole Bible, all, the, of all eternity as we know it in the here and now, ends with Holy Spirit saying, it's so obvious. But the journey has ended in such a beautiful way, what was once dark, empty, and formless, the end, the Spirit and the Bride, us, say come. You see, the journey of the Holy Spirit that we read in the New Testament is that we become so intertwined, so full of the Spirit, that the Bride now what's exactly what the Spirit wants? Where for most of our lives, we waited for moments for the Spirit to break and to change our desires because actually I want fame, I want my own success, I want comfort. But as we walk with the Holy Spirit, understand that this is so obviously our journey to walk and keep in step with Him. Our journey becomes that He changes who we are and our desires become His desires. All we want is actually whose Spirit lives in us. Because you know when we die, we'll get new bodies. But let me tell you, when you get heaven, you're not getting a new Spirit. You've got the Holy Spirit. That thing stays the same for all the two. The Spirit of Jesus stays the same. And this is an amazing reality. There's a, uh, one of the early popes, Gregory the Great. He had this word, this Latin word, compunctio. Compunctio. And this word compunctio means a holy longing. And I, I had this image, when I started reading about that, I had this image of that I know what, what Jesus is doing in heaven and, and, and this reality of the Spirit of God living inside of us. It's almost like the, the Ephesians tells us that the Spirit of God has been given as, a, as a, a guarantee. It's been given as a down payment. He sealed us with His Holy Spirit. Say, mine. 
Before we've done anything, the Holy Spirit was given to you at regeneration. When you say, Jesus, you're mine, you cannot come alive unless the Spirit of God regenerates you. And so when that happened, as a, a guarantee of all the good things to come, I feel like the, Jesus throws a lasso, like those old cowboy west, westerns, those, uh, those incredible movies. We throw the lasso, poof, goes around us. And because of the Spirit inside of us, when He goes, we go. And Jesus starts to pull ourselves to Him, pull ourselves more like Him. And as we give more energy, holy longing towards the Holy Spirit, it's the divine rope, we start to realize that He is making us more like Jesus. And He's making us want Him more. You see, it's so obvious that this is the kind of people God is making us to be through the Spirit. Creation, incarnation, resurrection, impartation, consummation, it's so obvious. I want to call up my friend Joshua Tiku onto the keys. Because we get to one final scripture. What do we do if that's so obvious? What do we do in the here now? Great question. Ephesians 5 verse 16 says this. 15 to 18. It's really good. It says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these dark days. These dark, empty, and formless days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord so obviously wants you to do. What is this so obvious? Glad you asked. Keep reading. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's so obvious. It's so obvious. How do you live wisely? How do you live most with, with a promotable spirit in this dark, these dark days? The Apostle Paul says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the same phrasing that Pharaoh used of Joseph. He is so obviously filled with the Spirit of God. It's the same phrasing that's used now in Ephesians 5. Why? But the most incredible thing, it's the same phrasing that's used about Jesus. Luke chapter 4, where it says that he was came full of the Spirit, led by the Spirit, came out of the desert full and in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the incredible reality. As it says, be filled. That word be filled means present continuous. That's the present continuous tense. It means be filled, but be ongoingly filled. Not because you're leaking, not because you're running dry, no, but because actually the Holy Spirit says, I want more and more and more in your life. Because why? It's not all about you. He's saying in this reality, he's saying this, this, re this reality of the gospel, of the be filled reality, is the reality as, as we did surrender ourselves, God keeps pouring. He keeps pouring. And the more we pour out, as we be filled, the more we pour out, He keeps pouring, keeps pouring, keeps pouring. And let me tell you, unlike my bottle, the Father never runs dry. He's the source that keeps pouring. He says, if you keep pouring out, if you keep stepping out, if you keep serving others, if you keep using, walking with the Spirit and pouring out your love towards Him, He says, I'll keep pouring in. If you keep serving people and you pour out your love for them and they don't thank you, they reject you, they, they, they make you, they irritate you and feel like, I've been so used, let me tell you, your source is not the people's response, your source is the Spirit of God. You're so obviously filled because He'll keep pouring. And here's the reality, in our road, let's land this with an illustration we can all understand. Six o'clock comes some evenings and boom, load shedding. And wow, there we go. Uno time. Get the cards out. And, and it's, that reality is dark, and, and we see in the road, and, and then we hear up our road. We hear that noise that we are happy for them. But we're not ready. We hear that do, 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 the generator kicks in. And I'm like, bless you, in Jesus' name. As I see up our road, darkness everywhere, but then that one else, without skipping a beat, that hope, 
all the lights are on, the TV is blazing, I'm like, turn down your TV at least. Be sympathetic to us people. But as I see this reality, I, I want to tell the dragon to our reality to walk with Jesus. As the lights go on at home, it's so obvious who has a generator and who does not. As the world becomes dark, it's so obvious who has a different source. And I want to tell you now that we are people who are called to be a different, have a different source. So obviously filled with the Spirit of God. That when the world goes dark, when the emotions go dark, when everyone else says, where else do we go? The jobs are done. We need to close the business. What else can we do? And we, maybe we need some outside influence. How are we going to do this? Actually, maybe there'll be a man or woman who says, well, I might have an idea. Not because I've studied, not because I'm so obviously strategic or so obviously gifted, those things help. But let me tell you the game changer. Let me tell you the thing that makes you unique is that you're so obviously filled with the Spirit of God. It's so obvious. God wants to do that in human life. Why? God loves to fill into things. As we land, I will tell you, the problem I believe often is we are too full of other stuff. Because God loves to fill into things. And we're holding on to other things. Empty yourself up. Pour yourself out. I tell you, He will keep pouring. He will keep pouring. You see, let's read that scripture one more time. Can we find anyone else like this man, like this woman, so obviously filled with the Spirit of God. I believe the world is asking that question this time. I believe that the church is great days of now. Why is the world goes dark? What do we do? So obviously, we fill the Holy Spirit. Can we stand our feet, please?
will stand in front of the pharaohs of this world and will bring divine wisdom and revelation. Will bring divine understanding. Will bring strategies. And God, people will stand there for their families. They'll be able to hold their tongue. We'll be able to speak words of peace and joy when people are grieving and have wisdom that's beyond their ability or their understanding. I thank you, God. All of these things are from you, Holy Spirit, because you say you promised us. It's so obvious that we shall receive, not heard, not word for, but receive power, life-changing, earth-shattering, demon-chasing, resurrection power. When? Not if, not maybe, but when? The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus comes upon us, overshadows us, hovers over us, fills us. He does it to us. Though we may be dark, into your fullness, you love to fill empty things. So now God, as I speak, I say, come, fill us. Fill us, fill us. Why don't you lift up your voice, ask, and surrender. We're not a people who need somebody to, we have no other mediator except Jesus Christ. Ask Jesus, ask of him by faith. The Bible says, receive by faith. Ask and say, Jesus, I love you. The Holy Spirit, I love you. I need you. It's so obvious. Go beyond your words. Go beyond just your own, your, your offense or your bitterness or where you feel you fall short. Go beyond that. Say, Jesus, it's because of your sacrifice. I am not worthy, but you have made me worthy because of your blood. And I thank you right now, Jesus, that we can receive, so obviously receive, the Spirit of God. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Why don't we just sing together and worship Him? Keep your eyes on Him. Fix your eyes on Him, church. He's here with us and moving in hearts and empowering hearts. Say, praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one.
Surrender. Surrender that area right now. I believe there's areas where you've been, you've been running on your own grid of power supply. You say, no, I'm unplugging. Plug into the, the generator of, of the Lord, the generator of the Spirit. Do that right now. Do that right now. Surrender it. Surrender it. Yield it to Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. If you move right upon your knees, we'll be done in five minutes, but worship Him. Worship Him. Worship Him. Worship and love Jesus right now. People always used to say, if you want to build a big church, don't do that Holy Spirit stuff at the end. People don't like it. it. Makes people uncomfortable. Let me tell you, before God fills buildings, He fills people. And I don't want a full building with empty people. Right now, receive, receive, receive. We are a people of the Spirit. Right now, thank you, Father. Would you move upon hearts, convict of sin. Convict of sin right now. Thank God. Thank you, Spirit. You convict us of righteousness, of who we are in Christ Jesus. I thank you for your cross. I thank you for your blood. I thank you, Father God, that we are sinners. And without you, Father God, we are nothing. We can't earn you, but we can't do anything without you. So we surrender completely to you, Almighty God. This house will be a house that is so obviously filled with the Spirit of God. This church will be so obviously filled with the Spirit of God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. See you one more time. Praise the
Thank you so much for watching. If you'd like to take your next steps or find out what's happening in the life of the church, head over to our website or follow us on social media. We can't wait to see you soon.